Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is directly across from me, natural-born conservative. Uh, he begrudgingly listens to people, never changes his views, but uh, he's always willing to learn more. He's a history buff. Every time you introduce me, I'm reminded of that great old song, May the Bird of Paradise Fly Up Your Nose. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. <laughs> See? May an elephant caress you with his toes. Joe hasn't forgotten anything in a long, long time. No, I remember so. bad song lyrics. How's well, that? Yeah, that's, a, that's a start for this morning, right? All right. So with that, we'll stop torturing our guests <laughs> right. on board this oh, morning. Oh, come on. Let's torture them a little more. <laughs> Dr. Lanair Alam is back, founder of uh, the, Sus- the Community Education Project, Susquehanna Valley Community Education Project around here, executive uh, project director, and is pushing hard to county commissioners know about her around here because she's been there advocating, trying to get the community college uh, going around here. So uh, welcome back. Thank you, Mark. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Very much appreciated. And Megan Beck is here, immediate past president to the board of directors. Stop being president of the board of directors? Just recently, yes. I just okay. stepped down. While you're running for county commissioner, I'll assume, but of course I'm, I'm nosy about everything. So, okay, so that's that. All right, well, fantastic. Is there a new president yet, by chance, as long as we're on the topic? We're in the search process. Oh, on the search. Okay, well, you already got a good board there going, so we can mention those folks uh, later. But the new community college uh, effort is still underway, going to county commissioners from time to time and spreading the word, doing good studies, and uh, really just trying to make sure that this this happens. I'll start out with Dr. Allen. Please, um, uh, if folks haven't followed this, I'm sure you go to one room, one place every every time you go anywhere. Somebody says, oh, I've heard a little bit about this. You know, reintroduce us, please, to the audit, to the college. Yes. Yeah, so what we're trying to do is establish the 16th community college in the Commonwealth in the greater Susquehanna Valley. Um, this is an area that has a population that is able Able to sustain a community college and um, by all means um, had a community college in WAC. When that closed, it displaced about 7,000 students. Since that time, we ha- have not had a regional comprehensive and dedicated community college. So um, what we're seeking to do is make the case for support, complete all of the necessary studies, and um, bring an application to the State Board of Education for approval. And so we're in the midst of that process. Megan, you're a business person around here so you know our area is growing more people some building out of our community we're uh, inhabiting more buildings that are uh, maybe older or you know haven't been used in a little while so our area is growing so if I'm old school and I say well we don't need it we never had it before you know or we have you can drive up to Bucknell if you want to go to college that kind of thing our area is growing and the and we're growing into a clearer need for a community college 
Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Pardon me. We um, What we see is our businesses are in some ways being strangled by the fact that we don't have necessarily the workforce trained in the way that they need to support their business. And it's not necessarily those higher level jobs like that, that Bucknell or SU could train for, but more the mid-level jobs. So we're talking about um, jobs that just need a certification, short-term training, or a two-year degree. Um, and that's really what's where we're being strangled at in our economy. All right. So this is an opportunity for businesses to benefit from this. Explain the agility and the community college you're talking about. This is not just a community college that's uh, sort of static and offers the same thing every month or every semester more agile than that. Yes, it's meant to be in partnership with your businesses who are showing what the need is. We do do gap analyses as well, um, which show where the overall need is for the region, where education is being provided, where it's not. And then we take into consideration what our businesses are saying. Um, this is the area in growth that I'm going to need staffing and where I need you to develop. And then we can develop programs based off of the need of our local businesses. Well, you folks have been here before, and we've talked about this many times on the air, but we're still not getting getting anywhere. I mean, how many more counties have signed on since the last time you were here? How many more businesses have uh, pledged their financial support since the last time you were here? So we have had 70 businesses give letters of support for this project, and they are and they continue to come in. Um, currently, we just completed the business plan for the Susquehanna Valley Community College, name not formalized, and that is under review at this time. So businesses definitely see the need. Um, they need a workforce. They need a, a, the uh, certifications, both industry and local certifications to be comp uh, for training. And, um, you know, convincing county commissioners is a political game that I'm not really familiar with. I work <laughs> in um, the, the process of establishing a community college. So fortunately, we have a very active committee called a p political action group, and they are actively setting up the meetings, preparing for uh, uh, PowerPoint presentations for them, and um, getting that point across to them. What do the commissioners want that will make the difference? And so then we proceed. One wanted a public uh, anchor community college interest survey. We completed that. We had a thousand respondents. And in that, we found that over the course from October of 21 to October of 22, the support grew from a three-fourth majority to a seven-eighth majority who want this community college. They will support the county commissioners to raise a levy, $14 per household on average per year for a community college to be established here. How many of these businesses who sent letters of support have tied financial considerations to that? Several of them have, and they and if we ask them, they do. And so the next thing we're going to complete is a, a program demand gap analysis. We've already had several businesses make pledge that we w that they will contribute to that analysis. It's going to cost us about $26,000, another expensive survey, and I'm sure you're familiar with those when you did the throughway. Right. So, you know, we are raising the funds to do this, and each time we put out a report, and again, you know, we need to see that the commissioners are truly considering this information rather than just, uh, you know, considering it uh, um, 
unprovable. Well, in the absence of actual commitments in terms of dollars and cents that are in your pocket right now and from the counties, how are you funding your operations now? Through donations and gifts, all of it, and through grants. Those um, organizations that see the importance of this have given very generously. Um, And so we continue to operate strong um, because of that. Well, at what point would you say we either have to, um, well, you know, there's an old expression I won't use on the air, but at what point do we have to say we're either going to make this work or it's going to fail? I mean, what's what's the, no, I was thinking of something else, but that's better. Uh, What's the tipping point? Is there a tipping point at which we either goes forward or we have to say this isn't going to work no matter how well-intentioned we are, no matter how good the idea is, we're just not going to get the support? Uh, I disagree. I think we will get the support, and I and I foresee that this region will benefit and have tremendous advantages when the community college is launched. Um, until then, we're just a nonprofit organization, a small nonprofit who is fulfilling all the requirements for the establishment of public community colleges in Pennsylvania. Is it hard to campaign for a raise in taxes during a commissioner's election year? <laughs> it's always hard. So whether it's this year or last year or next year, um, it has to be, <clears throat> it, it just has to be broadened in um, the, the populace that this is my investment in our own community college for myself, my children, my neighbors, my grandchildren. This is my investment for them to be able to go to a local community college to get certified in a trader skill or get an associate degree for a job and gainfully employed in this area. So well, I've heard many people say, why not work with what's already in place? There are there are colleges here in the area working now to educate kids. If there's a need, why aren't they filling it? Well, typically it's because they're small site locations. They're satellites. And so it's not comprehensive. And completion of degree programs has to occur most often at the main campus. So we, we lose, and we, instead of retaining those uh, students, we we end up losing them. Um, And when we talk about a comprehensive community college, enrollments um, would be significantly larger than what you see at small satellites. And the reason you see that is because, not just the small satellite, the issue that Lanier mentioned, but um, also, too, there's a huge demographic that isn't being reached by the rest of our our institutions. So for whatever reason, so let's say our career and technical centers, they're reaching our teenagers, and that is fantastic. Really glad they're doing that, but they don't have the bandwidth to reach our great this great adult population or second chance population that really needs that access. And then you also have really great four-year institutions, but those four-year institutions aren't offering that those two-year certificate programs or, or any of those opportunities. So there's this big hole in the middle that's kind of hard to define, um, but at the same point, it's it's definitely there. All the reports say that it's there. Um, the public is definitely growing and growing in support. Um, it's just getting to those right people and sharing the story with them. And also, <clears throat> 
a lot of times I see this as a conversation between like there's people saying absolutely no new taxes, which I understand that position. I respect that position. However, this is one of the few situations where I would say this is a humongous return on investment, $78 million in the first 10 years, according to a third party who studies these types of things. Um, that's what they're telling us. In addition, it's like turning away a grant. Imagine somebody said, we're glad to give you, what the state of Pennsylvania says, we're glad to give you over a million dollars a year, every year, for your workforce development if you put up a, that match. And what we're saying is, nah, we don't want that. And so this is an opportunity for us to bring those type of funds to workforce development in our area. Well, you said you have to get to the right people. You've been at this for a while. You haven't gotten to them yet? No, it seems it, sometimes those folks are hard to, to be able to have good conversations with. You know, we might get to say, here's some data, but we don't really get to have those good conversations. Well, you, you mentioned, I'm sorry, just one last follow-up. You yeah. said it's a game changer, yeah. and you've given a rather compelling argument for why it would be different than what we already have. But what what is the reason why you're not getting this uniform support for this game changer? Why aren't the counties saying, we see the value in this, we realize it's going to increase our tax base? Is this just political? Is it, uh, are these hidebound reactionaries? Or are they people that, are, that just don't see the dollar value for what you're proposing? I, I think there's, there's a fear of raising taxes, period. Mm-hmm. And a, a, a county could do this without raising taxes. I mean, that's not a requirement, correct? correct? I mean, if, if any Klausi gets elected, <laughs> he's probably going to do more to cut county expenses again, which he had done before when he was in office. So, all right, well, we're going to pause here for the moment. When we come back, we've got to ask about how the dynamic has changed for the community college since the pandemic and the worker shortage and inflation and gas prices going up and back down. Has that changed the community college uh, dynamic at all? So when we uh, come back. We're still talking to Dr. Lanier Allen, founder and executive project director of the Susquehanna Valley Community Education Project, one of the board members here, the immediate past president, Megan Beck, is on board. If you would like to join us, uh, if you have a question for our guests, you can call 570-743-9565. That's 570-743-9565. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com, as one individual has done, so we'll read that on the air. And you you can text us at 70236, include the keyword OTM. Welcome back, uh, WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, we have guests here. We're talking about New Community College. The newcommunitycollege.org is uh, the website uh, for this. I had asked Lanier Allen before we took the break. If anybody has a question for our guests, call immediately, 570-743-9565. One of our listeners sends us a note, Joe. Says this group is doing a fantastic job. A community college would be a huge benefit to the area. Signed, Charlie. See, that didn't kill you. You're happy now? <laughs> okay, so uh, worker shortage, how has that changed the dynamic for a community college, Lanier? A, a f- greater focus on reaching the non-traditional students. Um, that's what's happening in the community college sector. Um, real um, recruitment at the for adults into certificates and certifications, both um, industry and um, local certificates um, that are specific to an employer. Um, But that is a huge change and a huge difference. Um, We were talking about this over the break, that a community college reaches um, those 
adults who were maybe displaced um, by a job or need second chances. And even the 50-plus programs are really abounding now in the community colleges because people 50-plus who want to retrain or get a certificate have nowhere else to go but their community college, and then they still have a good maybe 15 years yet to work. Um, and that is the best place they can go to get that training. Yeah, we've seen some folks that got uh, bonked out of the workforce for one reason or another, uh, you know, f age 50-ish, and then, uh, yeah, they have a real pickle getting back in the workforce because things are uh, so much more tech-oriented uh, these days. Uh, would it be feasible? What, what else do you have? Uh, you, you, want, you had something important you wanted to talk about, really. I wanted to Please. share something about um, the, the market segment. So... Um, you know, we, we talk about who the community college serves, and one of the greatest populations they serve are those in the Alice household and the fe at the federal poverty level. Um, with the Alice household asset limited, income constrained, but working, this represents a growing number of families who earn above the federal poverty level, but they make less than what's needed to afford basic housing, food, and health care technology and transportation. So they often earn too much to qualify for any government assistance. Then um, if we add the Al Alice households in Northumberland, Union, Montour, and Snyder County, those are Northumberland at 29%, Union 36%, Montour is 27%, and Snyder 31%. Now let's add to that the households who are federal poverty level. Uh, um, and then we come to Northumberland has almost 40% combined uh, low income. Then Union is 48% combined low income. Montour 40% combined low income and Snyder at 40%. So, you know, this is the population that can't afford to go to higher education options that exist. And what we need is an open portal opportunity for them to qualify for Pell Grant and then get started uh, maybe just one cr uh, college credit bearing class gain some confidence, take two classes, move forward in life, and become much more increased self-reliance. All right. Any additional remarks? Megan, you want to elaborate on a thing or a concluding remark, please? Your closing argument. <laughs> My closing <laughs> argument. Um, I just think that this is a huge opportunity for our area, and um, and we really shouldn't be um, just saying, oh, you've been working on this so long. You know, obviously, maybe this just isn't going to happen. It's like, you know, no, it's like this is something that builds and builds. Erie took 18 years um, to get going, and they now have 300 students there getting trained, getting upskilled, and becoming part of their workforce. We got Bob Garrett on board finally so that's got to be a big change to see change so <laughs> the whole business community is pulling please Lanair an additional remark I just thank you so much Mark for the opportunities you've given us over the years to present um, the new findings and information on this program and Joe I thank you for the good questions that you asked and um, just hope that you might uh, be able to open more doors of opportunity for us to share this so that we can reach the commissioners in a way that will be amenable to them to say, yes, this is vital, we will do this, and we will make a legacy for generations to come. All right, well, thank you so much for Good coming luck. in. We're going to take a one-minute break. We'll enjoy some open phones as we wrap up uh, this half hour of On the Mark. 
There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Speedy dialers can get through now at 570-743-9565. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com. Joe, you got an email that relates to black history. Do you know something about that? Uh, Rob says, good morning. I wonder how many black civil rights leaders are celebrating the first black person elected to an executive branch position in Pennsylvania. It's not Austin Davis, although he will probably get more press than our current Auditor General, Tim DeFore, who was the first black elected to a statewide office. The problem with Tim DeFore is that he is an ARB after his name. (laughs) This kind of hypocrisy is also at the federal level. There are no black Republican members of the House of Representatives in the Black Caucus. Gee, that's surprising, isn't it? As a history buff, I am learning about the black Americans that have contributed so much to our culture and society. I wish I had been taught more of the history in school. However, to have the black community segregate themselves by party affiliation shows me that bigotry and lack of respect for a class of people is more of a being human issue than a specifically a race issue. It's maybe an excellent should, point. Maybe we should force blacks to be Republicans. I think that would be a good way to they get around They do the same this. things with women. Do they? They force them to be Republicans? No, I'm saying the women are the view. They they came after uh, Haley, Nikki Haley just horribly the other day. Aw, that's bad. Stan, you're on the mark. Good morning. So we have another shooting out there in El Paso today, or yesterday, last night, the way it sounds. Ban all guns. But, but yeah, no, no, that's not the issue. Oh, sorry. Uh, I mean, you know that. But they arrested two people, so it wasn't a, uh, I would say it's not somebody trying to just go out and shoot a bunch of random people. I'm thinking there was an argument between two rival gangs. Just a guess. Because there's no information. Normally... Depending on who's doing the shooting, they know exactly who it is, when it, what, where they're from, and what they did within hours. This is, uh, what, probably almost 12 hours or better, and we still know nothing. I looked on, online this morning, there was still no information other than they arrested two men, and all the victims were men. It happened in the food court. So that's why I'm postulating that it's probably gang-related. I could be wrong. Okay, but, you know, let's be honest. Uh, you call this program fairly consistently, and you've talked about gun issues many, many times, and you always stick up for the gun owner, owner's rights. And I agree with you the gun isn't going to do anything unless somebody grabs a hold of it. But, you know, we're not solving the problem at all. People, And I, I'm very concerned about the number of people being killed, not just in these mass shootings. I'm concerned about what happens in Philadelphia and Chicago every single day of the week. 
Well, so am I. I don't want people dying by guns because that does nothing for the, the law-abiding citizens. All that ever happens when that happens is, what do they say? We need to have more gun control and ban certain guns, blah, blah, blah. And the only ones that are ever affected are the law-abiding citizens that own firearms for protection and recreation and have done nothing to harm others, correct? Well, forgive me, but I don't see much recreation in firing a gun at <laughs> inanimate objects. I mean, that's, I collect coins, and I'm sure you well, might find well, that, that very boring, too. And I don't right. collect coins, so yeah, I mean, whatever. <laughs> I mean, but that, that's, that's the point. But that's the first ones to get penalized for it is the law-abiding citizens because, as we all know, criminals don't follow the law, do what? they? Well, they've got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> what, they got to stop not following the law? Or yeah, start that's right. We need, we need the criminals to start following the law, then we don't have a problem. Right, and, and that'll happen when? When Hell freezes certain place over. freezes over, <laughs> right. Tuesday. I think so Tuesday. until that happens, what do we do? Well, that you know, that's the point. As I said before, we're a dog chasing its tail. It's it's we're we're making a lot of fury and we're going real fast, but we're not catching anything. We're not doing anything about it. And still, every day, the, the you know the stories where three or more people get killed make the headlines for a day or an hour. But you know, the day in day out shooting and mayhem in places like Chicago, that doesn't seem to resonate with people for some strange reason. Stand it, doesn't fit the, it doesn't fit the narrative, that's why. So y'all have a great day. I got work I got to get done. Have a good one. Good luck. Do it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Much appreciated. All right. Stand our good angry man caller. This time, another shooting, gang-related, most likely. To be continued. The dog will resume chasing its tail in six minutes. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury, 9 a.m. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Rob Satter, a fabulous... Scratch that. Lynn Hall. What happened? Rob was there a minute ago. Well, I guess they flipped. <laughs> they flipped. I'm not going to do it. You do it. I'm not going to do it. You do it. Well, so. they, you know, they do fight over the honor to do this program. Is that what they're Yeah, over? right. Okay. We've right. had fisticuffs. We have a ring set up in the basement for them to fight over it. That's it. I know uh, sometimes Lynn will lock the studio door. It has a lock on it, so Rob can't get in to take over. Well, yeah, I don't blame her. I, w- so. I would want to produce us, too. Right. You get to do. Nothing but answer phones for an hour. So. Right. All right. So, uh, Leah, Lynn Hall, our fabulous producer, one of our great announcers here on Eagle 107, and she just does a super-duper job, so we appreciate her also in charge of the copy department. And she's fabulous in every way, and she brings a wonderful cat to the building, who I love, and uh, it is a blood pressure reduction device. We don't need an AED. We have a cat that, if your heart's uh, struggling, this, this cat will warm you up a little bit. So it's wonderful. So that's Lynn Hall on the other side of the glass, and uh, Joe McGranahan is with us, just a super smart guy. Used to be like a super genius when he ran this place as the COO. Super uh, genius, that's me. Well, you know, I don't know, very (laughs) forward-thinking. It's funny how you were so forward-thinking, but yet you don't like the idea of a community college. No, I I don't dislike it. I just, I think that, that if they're going to get it, they need to be able to explain exactly what the benefits are. And I can't understand, and they make a very good case for the benefits do they not? 
And it's hard for me to understand that given the case they make, why more people haven't jumped on board. Right, Joey. And the fact that they say they haven't gotten to the, the right people yet. Well, heavens to Betsy, we need to get to the right people if this is worth doing. Joe is asking all the questions uh, that our community asks and everybody else asks, and these are the questions uh, to which they do have answers. If you have a comment or a remark about our guests that were on the first part of the show, call us now, 570-743-9565. That's 570-743-9565. That's 743-743. We have a little trouble with this, aren't we? This is a terribly hard number to remember. (laughs) Well, it's just a, they're all odd numbers. It's just a random (laughs) bunch of odd numbers. That's why I always say uh, it's uh, 743-WK-OK. That makes more sense. Yeah, it does to me anyway. (laughs) All right, you can also email us. Uh, We did get an email earlier, so we'll take more comers in that department at onthemark.wkok.com. And you can text us at 70236. Just include the keyword OTM. If you don't get a message back that says thank you for emailing on the market, didn't go through. Some folks said they texted us. I don't recall that we got it. And they said they didn't get an email back so or a text back. But it's, uh, yes, yeah, 70236 always. And then your first three letters in the message have to be OTM. And uh, you can put a space in or not put a space in. Either way, uh, it'll come through. I want to tell you about our great sponsor, which is the Sunbury Motor Company. We've been talking about some of the vehicles. Talked about the Bronco Sport yesterday. Let's talk about the Ford Eco Sport. 24 miles to the gallon on average. It's a great SUV, but a small SUV has a tall stance and a good, uh, a uh, you know, high profile, lots of clearance. That's it. And believe it or don't, it has a one-liter turbocharged three-cylinder engine. That's why it gets such great gasoline mileage on the highway. You're going to be well into the 30s and just driving short distances in the winter. You might get down into the teens, but 24 miles to the gallon overall. But uh, very quick little car, fun to drive. I had a chance to drive one of these. It's a blast. I mean, it hugs corners. It's a little bit stiff, but it is an SUV. But uh, nice and quiet inside the vehicle and comfortable seats. It has rear seats and rear doors. So it is a four-door. It's the Ford EcoSport. And uh, price tag? um, Have a steering wheel? Uh, yeah. Okay, good. You know, I forgot to look at the <laughs> sticker. Well, it's less than 30000 Okay. <laughs> That's a good way to if sell you cars. Say so. Would you like to come and look at one of our vehicles? I guarantee it's less than $30,000. But, yeah, it's an economy SUV, just a super reliable EcoSport at uh, Sunbury Motor Company, sunburymotors.com. They got new Ford, Hyundais, and Kias. Good lineup of pickup trucks there. They got an electric pickup truck there. If you want to see the Lightning, just a fabulous uh, vehicle. It has a big trunk in the front where you can. <laughs> put stuff now. It's been a long time. You so have a big trunk in the front, too. Well, I do. Yes, thank you. But it's, there's no room for anything else there. So thank you. You can keep Jim. your eye on it right out there. Right. I'm watching Mine's my, the same way. I'm watching my weight. <laughs> I'm watching it grow. Well, I weigh 20 pounds more than you do, believe it or not. I know. I, so I know you do. It's not right. I did go to the Y last week. And why did you go there? <laughs> to work out. <laughs> okay. And to steam. <laughs> Uh, I think you better work out. Be more workout. Right. More workout, less steam. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. O- okay, These lovely bride. These free health tips are yours for the asking. Okay, lovely bride. <laughs> Thank you for the help. <laughs> All right. On the mark, sponsor for the Sunbury Motor Company. Toll-free line open, 570-743-9565. Email on the mark at Text at 70236. Include the keyword OTM.
Tough news out of Sealands Grove last night. Legendary high school football coach Bill Scott has died. He won 267 games in a 36-year career. Most winning coach ever at Sealands Grove. Retired in 2008. We'll have lots more about Bill Scott as the day progresses. Uh, one of his good football players, Ben Reikley, of course, a co-host here, right. sits in Joe's chair on Friday. And Tomorrow, Craig DeVazio's uh, coming in. So that's the Republican that we'll have on board tomorrow. So we'll get some good conservative viewpoints. Uh, let's see. Another news story. The more we get to know each other, the more we can do together. That's the reason the Susquehanna Valley United Way is launching a community mapping project. They want to hear stories from people like Joe, who are real stalwarts in the community and are eager beavers to help out in many ways, or people who may be families on the margin or anybody living in our area. They want to map some strategies for future change. This is sort of that needs assessment you know how to do, where you, you kind of look at some of the uh, unmet opportunities. What do you call it when you do that thing with the chamber? A program of work meeting, but yeah. we haven't done that for a few years. Well, it's time to resume. Uh, Columbia, Montour, North Hamilton, Snyder, and Union counties invited to go to Susquehanna Valley United Way community mapping uh, page. Republicans in Harrisburg wanted your personal information from the Department of State, but a court in Pennsylvania says no way. After months of hearings, Republicans on the Senate Intergovernmental Affairs Committee voted to request the PA Department of State hand over personal information of registered voters in Pennsylvania from the 2020 presidential election. The department refused, saying Republicans failed to prove the rationale for their request. A decision last week from Commonwealth Court sided with the Department of State. It was the latest legal setback for supporters of Donald Trump, who have repeatedly claimed irregularities with the election without providing any proof. There is no word if the case will be appealed to state superior court. I'm David Payne, News Radio 1070 WKOK. A federal bankruptcy court Wednesday approved a plan calling for the Roman Catholic Diocese in Harrisburg to establish an $18 million trust they proposed to pay settlements with victims of clergy sex abuse. Penn Live reporting this morning the so called reorganizational plan approved by the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Middle District also establishes stipulated child protection protocols for the future. Officials with the group SNAP, that is a group of survivors, has said it is a mere pittance compared to what has been lost in the lives of individuals molested by priests. Penn Live also reminding us of a major Penn State fundraiser that involves dancing for hours and hours and hours on the campus. What's it called, John? What? T-H-O-N, Thon. Okay, thank you. Jeez. Uh, Penn State's major Thon is, starts tomorrow. Uh, technically, it's underway all year round, but the actual dancing just begins tomorrow. 46 hours of continuous dancing. Okay. Well, there is an event. <laughs> all right. Oh, and you, there is a live they stream. They raise a lot of money. To watch it. Cindy, do you know of the live stream to watch Thon? Yes. Yes, there is. If you go on the Thon website, they have a website. There's a live stream. A link. Yeah, that'll be fun. I always we always watch it quite a bit. Well, there's some special events during Thon, um, the cheerleading or pep rally, where each one of the sports teams or many of them put on a special skit. They're usually very funny or very special, and um, there's a family hour where families who've been helped by Thon in the past step forward to tell their story, and that ends up with most people crying, and there's uh, all kinds of fun events, special fun events that go on. I save time. I start bawling when the families step up to the stage right at the beginning. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> Who needs to hear the story? Well, I want to be uh, a bit of a Debbie Downer, I guess. 
<clears throat> or I, I prefer to consider myself a realist. This, the, this past year, six of the PASHI, Pennsylvania uh, colleges that we run, universities that we pay for, we the taxpayers pay for these, six of them ended up consolidating. Why did they do that? Well, because enrollment has declined by 25%. 25%. That's a very significant amount of decline. And they couldn't make the budget meet anymore. And so they they consolidated in order to make the administration less costly, to decrease the overhead. Uh, my alma mater, Penn State, has talked about how it has a $100 million deficit, part of which is brought by excessive spending. And while they have the students, they're concerned because the number of people applying to come to the university has declined. In fact, that's true not only here in the Commonwealth, but across the country. And if you look at the uh, statistics, there's a much smaller, in terms of size, number of kids, volume, headed towards the universities in the future. That's just been fewer families having fewer children means there are fewer potential attendees. And yet here we are with, and you know, we have almost 200 colleges and universities in Pennsylvania, two hundred. And yet here we are with a group wanting to add even greater burden in terms of this by adding a community college, which we have to pay for. We, the taxpayers, will have to pay every year to run that university, I mean that college. And I just, I believe the answer lies in the current groups who receive state funding call, coming around to meet the needs that this group are pointing to in terms of uh, the kinds of programs that are needed. That would bolster the bottom line at the universities and colleges that are seeing a decline in enrollment because if they change what they're offering, then they'll encourage more people to attend their program. Do you see the new president as being a realist when it comes to Penn State sort of finding its lane again? She was talking about something else entirely talking about the community college I don't know Mark I I don't know okay. I know she's ruffled some feathers <laughs> with some of the decisions she's made um, I think we got to give her a chance um, you know in turning turning the path of institutions is very hard right and there are many subgroups within those organizations that it's against their either core ethos and or their self-interest to change their behavior, change how the programs function. Let me go back to the, what you were talking about, which was the community college issue. At what, what percentage would you find acceptable of student funding the institution as opposed to communities funding the institution? 100%. Really? You think it should be all if student funded? If I go into Burger King, I pay how much of the bill? 100%. If I go to the gas station, how much of that do I pay? A hundred percent. If I go down here to Boscov's and buy a new pair of slacks, how much do I pay? A hundred percent. The taxpayers already pay for an incredibly costly and now apparently $4 B billion more costly public education system pre-K through 12th grade, right? We already are obligated and every community responds and some communities are about to get an unhappy ding in the back of their head when they find out they're going to get much less money 
because of this court order that requires the state to re-address re how money's funneled out into the communities. Lewisburg, for example, only gets about 25% of its funding from the state. Hmm. Sealands Grove gets about 40%. So just imagine when they re-stir this pot, what's going to happen in communities about funding their already existing pre-K through 12th grade. Plus, Plus, we fund, and I certainly support them, the tech schools. We fund the tech schools, and I think they're a wonderful investment, and that as a community, that's a good investment for us to make so that uh, kids can learn the kinds of skills they need to go into non-college-driven uh, programs. And I could see the tech schools expanding their responsibility, their efforts, and they already do. They offer night classes to adults to go in and learn. I went and learned how to do masonry there. So you can, there are opportunities to use what already exists. And what I object to is adding yet another layer, which causes uh, the cost of yet another administration, yet another set of buildings, yet right. another electric bill, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. All right, we got you. Thank you so much, Cindy. Thanks, Thanks Cindy. for calling. I appreciate in. your comments. Much appreciated. All right, we would invite people to respond. We've talked about the community college. Do we need it, or should students pay every penny if they want to go, just like they would at Penn State anywhere else? Five seven zero seven four three nine five six five or five seven zero seven four three WDKOK. You can email us at on the mark at WDKOK.com, and you can text us at seven zero two three six. Talking about uh, guns earlier and a shooting in. Texas. Talked a lot about uh, East Palestine in Ohio and community college is on our mind right at the moment. That was a disgrace last night that the, the railroad didn't show up claiming they were afraid for their employees' safety. Right. Okay. We'll talk about that. 570-743-WKOK. Mm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the mm. Mm. out of auto repair. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. We have Dr. Lanair Allum uh, listening to the show and is perfectly willing to call back and even provide more information. So thank you, Dr. Allum. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, Mark. Um, I appreciated what Cindy brought up um, because she she mentioned about the number of higher education opportunities in Pennsylvania. At a, there are actually 230 of them. There are only 15 community colleges in that 230 count, and those 15 community colleges enroll 40 percent almost 240,000 of the undergraduates across the Commonwealth. So what we see is a very tiny number 
of community colleges are doing an incredibly effective job and and drawing in the largest numbers of students. Um, the other thing that she said that I thought was really important was, you know, paying 100% of the tuition to uh, go to college. And that's, that is the case for people who have the income to afford it or can take out the loans in order to pay it back. But what we see with this group that I mentioned when we were there at the um, studio is when you have a large group, a population of 40% who are low income, those people are already typically getting some kind of an assistance, whether it's SNAP, that's their food source. And um, they are not paying 100%, they can't. Um, then we have, you know, where do, they, where do they shop? They will shop at a thrift store or a garage sale. Um, so they just don't have the way ways and means to become self-reliant and the community college opens that door of opportunity for them um so th those were two things that that came to mind all right okay. well fantastic thank well, you thank you so much for the response much appreciated do stay in touch uh dr Lanier. thank, thank you, you. Mm -hmm. Dr. Lanier Allum, uh, president of the new community college uh, effort, Susquehanna Valley Community Education Project. Joe, you got a lot of screens in front of you. Pick one. Yeah, well, uh, you know, uh, I guess we can either stay on that subject. There are two comments about community colleges, both in support. Cindy makes the case for the community college, which is the alternative to the four-year colleges. Community colleges are more cost-effective and practical. And another writer, Charlie, says, Cindy, the community college serves a different purpose than the PASHE colleges, different from any traditional four-year college. You wouldn't go to a cardiologist to fix a broken arm. You wouldn't go to a four-year college for a lot of what the community college would offer. Plus, education is a public good. By improving the education level of the area, you improve the quality of the area. That's why the public finance is part of it. The, benefic or the financial benefits far outweigh the costs. But that's yet to be determined. We actually have something and have to have something in place in order to value whether or not it produces the result you're hoping for. Well, they do have studies that show that community colleges pay off uh, mostly from following existing community colleges and then you know layering that information. Well, for example, on here. I, I looked up the 15, and there's one in Harrisburg. Harrisburg Community College. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I haven't heard much about it. I don't know how well it's doing, how, you know, how successful it is. Um, you know, and there's some in Westmoreland County where I lived before I came here. There's one in Greensburg. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, apparently they are, they seem to be geographically spread around the state. They don't seem to be in, lumped into one particular area. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, one of our other listeners says, and good morning, I would like to put in my opinion of what should happen in this terrible train accident. I think Norfolk Southern and the federal government should buy the whole town. The residents will never be convinced that this, that this town is now clean. I hope that's what happens in this case. It's sad that people have to move, but people move every day. Look at Centralia. You know, that was terrible last night. They had that big uh, community meeting. Mm -hmm. The governor, the, mayor, the governor DeWine, didn't show up. Uh, nobody what? from nobody from the federal government showed up. Pete Buttigieg wasn't there to talk about how the fact there are too many white people in construction jobs, which seems to be his main concern, instead of how the, the transportation issue. Now, apparently, the, dem, uh, the administration is trying to blame Trump for some sort of regulations that were changed at the request of Norfolk Southern and other 
other railroads during his administration. Hmm. If you remember, he had his, you put one new regulation in, you take two away. Apparently, uh, some got so taken away. regulations got hit, huh? Uh, well, I don't know how serious the one one is, but I suspect if it were really serious or impacted on this wreck, we'd hear a lot more about it. And also, the Norfolk Southern people, in an unconscionable display of cowardice, in my opinion, didn't show up because they at said the they meeting. were afraid at the, the meeting because they were afraid for their employees' safety. Um, you know, I don't think it was a murderous mob there. The people who did show up didn't get murdered. Well, why not bring a bodyguard then? Well, I don't know. <laughs> and so you can show up. Anyway. But, you know, the people out there deserve answers, and they didn't get any last night. And, you know, Governor DeWine says, well, uh, the air is safe and the water's okay, but I'd drink bottled water if I were you. Well, that's not exactly reassuring <laughs> to me. That's a ringing endorsement. <laughs> right. I think that's the very definition of a ringing endorsement. But, you know, we talk about all this stuff. Um, Apparently, uh, the story I heard this morning, I forget where it was, it was either CNN or Fox, said that this train had broken down once before on its Mm -hmm. way to somewhere, and that uh, some of the people in the railroad had expressed concern about its length Mm -hmm. and the materials being carried. It seems to me that if we're going to carry toxic materials by rail, the train should be limited to just them and should have appropriate precautions surrounding it, don't you think? Yeah, and I think what has happened in this particular case is that this rail line had been failing in years past. So, you know, you have a perfect storm of things happening Norfolk Southern's failing? No, the rail, not the, oh, the actual tracks. <laughs> okay, the actual tracks. Okay. Had, they had to keep making repairs because the ground was settling there, and uh, some of the trains that they were taking over it were too heavy. And I'm not sure what the weight load of a trailer is, but, you know, probably 26 tons or something. But they were too heavy, and that was damaging the track. So that was a factor. So you have a wide range of things, but Norfolk Southern says, you know, we're stretched to the limit. We can't find people either. We don't have track maintenance money like other, you know, maybe a private rail line would, and we are, you know, they're struggling. But Norfolk Southern is a private railroad. Well, but they're not having, they rely on the, you know, the public largesse and the fact that they get to use rail lines that otherwise, you know, would be operated by somebody else. Well, the federal government for years has treated railroads very badly. For example, railroads fund everything of their own, yet airports get all this federal money for this, that, and the other thing where railroads typically go begging. It's like Amtrak. You know, most other countries have a, an excellent uh, passenger rail service. But here in America, you know, we make Amtrak live hand-to-mouth day-to-day. And it would benefit all of us to have a good international traffic um, railroad system in this country that handle passengers and freight effectively and safely. CBS says when Norfolk Southern train 32 n derailed in Ohio earlier this month, it was not the first time it had experienced problems on that route. The train, which originated in Illinois on the evening of February 1st broke down at least once before derailing in East Palestine, Ohio February 3rd, according to employees. The employees said there were concerns among those working on the train over what they believed were the train's excessive length and weight. 151 cars 9,300 feet long, 18,000 tons before it reached East Palestine, which contributed to both the initial breakdown and the, the derailment.
in the two weeks since. Many residents who were at home at the time of the derailment or who returned after authorities conducted the toxic release of hazardous materials, meaning the burning right. of the, the methyl ethyl bad stuff, they told CBS they are now suffering from headaches, rashes, respiratory problems, and painful coughing. Uh, in fact, animals are dropping dead and fish. That's well, a concern, too. One of the Yeah, the water's safe. Don't worry about all those dead fish. Anyway, one of the employees who works for Norfolk Southern said, we shouldn't be running trains that are 150 cars long. There should be some limitations on the weight and the lengths of the trains. In this case, the train had been, uh, had if it had not been 18,000 tons, it's very likely the effects of the derailment would have been mitigated. Uh, well, I saw they had a firebox issue. Now, that, that typically is why, why they used to have a caboose on the end of the train, so that you had somebody monitoring both ends of the train, and they weren't yeah. 150 cars long in the past. Okay. You know, that's, a, that's an excellent point. I, I find it terribly frustrating that they've gone away from cabooses. Okay. I mean, th- that was an added, an added safety, safety feature. factor. Okay. You just don't know what's coming through the area. And you, but yet, look at rails. We, we say, oh, we don't want those pipelines. They're bad for the environment. Well, suppose this stuff had been shipped in a pipeline. All right. The uh, Norfolk Southern says the train was normal in every way in terms of <laughs> its weight and length, but the F the FRR, FRA, Federal Railroad Administration? Right. Okay. Still, the train that derailed is considered to be very long, according to Sarah Feinberg of the FRA. When I was FRA administrator, I was not happy with the lengths of trains, and they were 80 or 90 cars long then. This train was 50% longer. Feinberg said that longer trains are more efficient for the railroad companies, no doubt, and its executives, but more challenging for the crews tasked with making repairs mid-route, a job that requires walking the length of the train several times to identify and repair problems. So, yeah. How can you monitor the middle of a train? Now, I noticed that uh, years ago they they had pushers in the back of trains if right. they were too big. Yeah, now I notice that they're starting to put additional locomotives in the middle of the trains. Oh, okay. You know, but I I don't know that they're manned. So the question becomes, and obviously a railroad, uh, an engineer and a uh, brakeman or fireman or conductor can haul 100 cars as easily as they can haul 10 if you're not going to require them to do anything about it except move them from point A to point B. Well, you don't have to have spent your misspent childhood running toy trains to know that pushing (laughs) trains doesn't always work. It can push them off the train. Do we know what caused this crash yet? Yeah, that firebox or a... a, uh, they call it. I forget what they call it, but it's the the box that they on the on a uh, freight car that they grease, okay. where the wheels are, and it was on fire. Okay. All right. But who's going to see that in the middle of the train? <laughs> right, folks. We invite you to contact us now. Five well with uh, video cameras. Can we not do, um, you know, can we not keep an eye on everything remotely now? Well, they used to have people at uh, break, uh, what do they call those guys at street corners that used to flagmen? Okay, right. Or they used to have them, or they used to have a lot of towers where somebody was sitting there and Watching. watched the train go by, and then their their responsibility was to report anything that happened. All right, we're on the train wreck. Uh, not only the toxicity of it, which we have talked about a little this week, the methyl ethyl bad stuff, but also the uh, rail line itself, railroad tracks, the rail cars, uh, too long, 18,000 <laughs> tons, which seems heavy to me, but what do I know? 
570-743-9565 is the telephone number. Weigh in on this topic. What do you know? 570-743-WKOK. You can email us at onthemark at wkok.com, and you can text us at 70236. Include the keyword OTM. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult... Well, I... I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6. 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the mm. Mm. out of auto repair. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. 570-743-WKOK, upper right-hand corner, Joe. All right, employee numbers are down in the railroads from 30,000 to 19,000 in 10 years. I guess we're talking about Norfolk Southern. Trains are longer with an engine in the middle now. Stocks are up. An electronic braking system on each car was not enforced by Trump. All right. That must be the, uh, I'm not certain that that's right, but I knew there was some regulation that supposedly the railroads didn't like and that Trump went along with them not having to be in to use it. So. All right. Lance, you are on the mark, having worked on the railroads for decades. What do you know? Well, that the hot box detectors are really quite high tech. Um, when a train is going by at like 40 miles an hour, it can tell you which journal is hot on what car. Not only what car, but like I said, which journal. It's really quite unbelievable. Uh, There's an electronic thing that goes through a computer system. Gotcha. So where was it? How often do they have those? Because apparently this one didn't get detected. Yeah, well, I understand that part. I'm not really sure how often or how, uh, yeah how uh, often they have them on the road. I know there's one right down here at uh, Dalmatia. Quite unbelievable when they work. Uh, when they work. They there, therein Obviously. lies the rub. <laughs> is that what that solar power device is by the trains? Yeah, it could well be. Though there's one I'm right outside sure. Sunbury and then a couple as you get farther down south on 147. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know what mm-hmm. they do. They didn't ask my permission before they put them there, so I'm not clear on what they're They're not doing. likely to no. ask your permission anyhow. No, so. and I'm not going to stop and touch them. They look explosive, so who knows. But they're obviously something that, put there by the railroad. Yeah, that, I believe, runs the uh, cab signals. You'll notice the old uh, signals mm-hmm. like we had years ago. There aren't many of those around anymore. Okay. And uh, it actually uh, puts signal to the cab in the engine rather than having to go through what they call a block, which is about, I think, about every quarter mile or so. Uh, it uh, is all uh, electronic now. Okay. Uh, so, so in theory, we should be a whole lot safer than what we ever were. In theory? Yeah, in theory. Right. But, but you know, computers can fail, and when they do, oh boy. That is for sure. Right. 
Okay. Yeah. All right. We got you. Thank you so much, Lance. Thanks Thank for you. checking in. Appreciate your call. Yep. Thank you. you. Uh, Lance from the Herndon area. Bill from North Hamilton, PA. You are next. How you doing? Uh, Joe's question about seeing an engine in the middle of a train. A lot of times they're going to another shop to get repairs and everything. So that's not really unusual. Uh, I have a cousin and a son, and I've done it too, you know, go to see the trains and everything. As far as detectors, like in Sunbury, uh, if you ever go to the post office, if when you're there in Sunbury, there's a uh, box there. If you listen, you'll hear a train, and when it goes by, it'll say Norfolk Southern, mile mark or so-and-so, everything okay. If there is a problem, it will detect the engineer and say it's back 75 axles. They go by axle count on a train if there's a problem. And in Sudbury, there's a the one there, third and race, and there's also one down, I'm going to say in reference, if you look down around where Broom Balls is, I think, down in that area. And then if you're going up and the train goes up the Shklimi Avenue line, there's one up by the Hattie Bassett campground. That's the line that goes to Binghamton. The one that goes across the river goes to Buffalo. Okay. So right. if they have all this, what happened in Palestine? Palestine? Well, I did I know some theories that I've heard, but I don't know. Uh, one that made some sense to me was, got to realize when this was, it was when that real cold snap, and sometimes the rails have it, you know, it's like on your bridge, they have expansion joints and everything, and, and I don't know they have them on railroads, but the rails could have split because of the cold weather. I, I, that's one guy that I talked to, a uh, guy that's uh, that follows the trains and said, you know, he said, I think that's a very big possibility. If you look at Sunbury, you'll see a rail, uh, a white Norfolk Southern truck go up through, you know, a couple times a week, and they're inspecting rails. They're doing a lot of different stuff, you know. Uh, like when it snows, they'll, they'll try to get out to make sure there's not a lot of snow across the lines, trees. You know, they're well-maintained. I mean, I, I personally think Norfolk Southern is getting somewhat of a bad rap. I can't believe, and this, is this I'm sure I'm right, but I, I can't prove it. Norfolk Southern isn't going to set those cars off on fire unless they talk to a chemical manufacturer. I would say the chemical company gave the green light to do it, not just Norfolk, Norfolk Southern didn't make that decision on their own. I don't know if you guys agree to that, but I would hope that I would hope they would have contacted the Department of uh, you know <laughs> uh, what do you call that um, DEP? Trying, yeah, DEP. <laughs> you know, well, the environmental protection should certainly have played a part in the decision to whether to light them on fire or let them blow up. Well, if you if you watch, and I, I know you, I'm going to bring up the bad word Fox News. Nobody from the EPA or the DEP was even there from what they've said and they've interviewed enough people around there that I don't doubt their work. You know, you're right. They weren't there and that's sad. They should have been there. Well, you know, so I mean, you know, if you're working on a problem, one head's not good if you have three or four, you know, they may have been up with a better solution but I, like I said, I I think Norfolk Southern taking the blame for a lot of stuff that 
I, I, I think may have been out of her hands, but I, I can tell you, I don't believe they made that decision without talking to the chemical companies. All right, we got you. All right, well, thank you so much, Bill. Thanks for calling Appreciate in. your comments. Thank you for shedding yep. some light on this. Yep, thank much you. Much appreciated. All right, 570-743-9565. we got a one-minute call before we take the break. Cindy, you're on the mark. Go right ahead. Well, uh, that was all really interesting information, wasn't it? And, and, and when I thought about this, you know, if an airplane crashes, the FAA sends a team there immediately there to investigate what went on. So why doesn't the EPA have a similar mechanism for other kind of environmental disasters that they send a team there immediately? I mean, immediately. Mm-hmm. But let me say this. I believe Norfolk Southern should make whole all the people who live along that rail line and have been negatively impacted. They should buy their properties at the value they were on December 2022. And, and let them get out of there. Plus moving expenses. Yes, they should make them whole. They should have, those people should be made totally whole. It shouldn't fall back on their homeowner's insurance. It shouldn't be the responsibility of the community. You know, what, who paid for Centralia? Who moved those people out? <laughs> Columbia County Redevelopment Authority used federal dollars. Uh-huh. So, you know, I, I just feel strongly that that company should have to bear the burden of the cost, whether it was purposeful, malicious, whatever. Never. They should have to bear the cost of this accident that happened, you know, just like I would bear the similar cost were I to cause some kind of catastrophic accident like this. All right, we got you. Thank you so Thank much, you. Cindy. Yep, thanks for but waiting before, in on the topic. Before you can do that, the real question is the variables. What could have Norfolk done, have done differently that would have resulted in not having that derailment? Slow down, fewer cars. Right. More. It, with, that would have impacted, made a difference, then, then, then they should. Cindy's right. They should be made to pay. More of those monitor thingamabobbers. Yeah, the monitor thingamabobbers. They're, right. So <laughs> I love it when you talk technical. To, to <laughs> prevent more spillage of the methyl ethyl bad stuff. stuff right. All right. <laughs> We're talking choo-choos here, folks. 570-743-9565. We will be right back. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I... I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections? Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6 30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the Mm. mm, out of auto repair. All right, Dick has been very, very patient waiting for us to open up the phone lines, which we just did. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Well, I don't know much about this accident in Ohio, so I'm not going to comment on what happened, or obviously it shouldn't have happened. Mike, Mike, Maybe somebody that understands trains a little bit could explain this. Uh, last year, last summer, when it was really dry along the railroad tracks here, from uh, one of the trains that went by set, set brush on fire and grass on fire from Watchentown to below Montana. That's a long way to be setting uh, grass and, and brush on fire, uh, 10 miles or so, that, that they don't know about it. Don't they, don't they have any way to monitor what's, what they've done behind them, like in, in, when they're in, in the... Uh, in the 
where they got well, it. Some, I don't know. Those in the locomotive, don't, can't they tell what's behind them? Well, what I, done? I don't know. Something. What would have caused it to set fire to something along the well, tracks? Well, they said, they said it was a it was a wheel basically that was like that's locked up somehow, and okay. it sparked. Sparked. So okay. consequently, you know, I mean, from Watson Town basically to around the brick company to below Montana, and I know it's I know it happened because the fire company went back by my house by the historical house. And you could see it burning back through there, and they sent two fire trucks back from Lewisburg and Milton to go back to, to work on. I mean, they can't get along the tracks everywhere. Uh, and I just was kind of curious if somebody understands trains, how they can't know that's happening. Well, railroads used to be very labor-intensive. I mean, there were all sorts of people in railroads. They had little shacks near switches, and somebody threw the switch manually. Then everything became so automated, but it would seem like there there should be some way to monitor the... You when know, you figure from Watsontown to Montana, that's quite a ways to be, be setting brush on, and grass on fire. It is quite a way. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty dry. Sometimes it's really dry in the summertime. And my other thing that really bothers me right now is these near misses at these airports on these planes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been two or three in the last uh, month or so. Yeah, Pete Buttigieg is doing a great job. <laughs> well, I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying that maybe, maybe there's too many planes on the runways and in the skies, too. Mm-hmm. Trains are too heavy. I mean, no, everybody wants to travel, but look, look, look when, the, when the planes were shut down for a day or two, how many planes were, didn't make it out off the ground? I mean, thousands and thousands. I mean, how many planes must be taken off daily? All right, we yeah. got it. All right, thank I mean, you that, so much, that, Dick. That, to be, that seems to be an accident waiting to happen. Well, the, pro- the problem is that the railroads own the tracks. You know, maybe if this is an important national thing, like the highways, maybe the federal government should take over the railroads only from the standpoint of providing the tracks. They provide airports. They provide facilities for airplanes. Why not provide the trackage for railroads? Sure, like Cedar Cog Joint Rail Authority owns well, the trails. Well, you're going to have a lot of people who aren't going to want here. the government in charge of anything, let alone the rail tracks. Well, you're probably right. But still, it would seem to me that there should be some federal standard for maintenance and some federal standard for the the length of trains and the weight and the weight and and the provisions for whatever they're carrying uh to be closely made uh, the information be made available to people in the communities well the other side of the coin is they might have all that but but unlike trucks where they go off the road and get get uh, regulated or get uh, weighed and stuff maybe they maybe these uh, railroads uh, bypass a lot of that stuff and just no, they're not going to get caught. That's a possibility. Right. Yeah, we, we don't know. You're right. You're absolutely right. All right, we got you, Dick. Thanks, Thank you Dick. so much. Thanks Appreciate your call. Upper right-hand corner. All Joe. right, here's another thought about the railroad train wreck. On the highways, we have wide-load caution vehicles ahead of wide loads. Why are they not made to say they're handling chemicals and have slower speeds of trains and caution vehicles ahead of and behind them? We need more... Hmm to then just overlooking these instances. Thank you for allowing my opinion on this. All right. More warning for the communities. Toxic. Well, and so many toxic trains are going to and fro. I mean, every other one has, you know, vinyl chloride and all these other things in it. Well, you know, that's a good point. So why not have some warning? Tell the community, say this particular one, uh, you know, so you know, if it's on a truck, you have to have a material data sheet that's in plain sight. So why not have? I think they are on the side of the cars. Right, but the placards. Yes, and you see it going past you 60 miles an hour. There it goes. Okay. Well, I think if once they derail, somebody could walk up to it and say, "Whoops, this one's got some grab the methyl ethyl bad stuff in it." Right. (laughs) Uh oh, somebody doesn't like my reference. And then another one of our texture says, "Methyl ethyl bad stuff." Mark, glad to see you're using 
using the correct terminology for the dangerous chemicals released in Ohio by the government. Yeah, that was Stan's word. <laughs> I like it, though. And then no one from the feds or government oh, wait, wait, office... Wait, 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 wait. The train, the, the things weren't released by the government. It's a Norfolk Southern train. Yeah, but the government, somebody decided in government to release, to set fire to the chemicals as opposed okay. to uh, blow, letting them blow up. Okay. so they I assume that was the government. I doubt that the railroad could have made that decision. Right. And then no one from the feds or government office showed up in East Palestine because the area went 71% for Trump in 2020. Just saying. <laughs> they're Democrats, so we don't care about them. No, they're, re- they're Republicans. Republicans. So we ignore them since we have a Democratic president. Okay. Well, I hate to say it, but... Just saying. <laughs> Just just say it. Just say it. Doesn't have to be true, but we can say it out loud. Well, do you see them rushing to uh, handle problems in red states? There was nobody there from the federal government. Do you think that President Biden would have showed up at uh, if it were in Chicago, let's I say, have or a Illinois? It's a little bit more complicated than just Democrat versus Republican. Now, I think everything boils down to that right. in this well, world. That's true. <laughs> that's right. The older you get, the more clear it is to you that Democrats bad, Republicans good. You know what we need, Mark? We need some common sense train regulations that would make us all safer. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Senator Toomey on the rail lines? Maybe he'll join the Cedarcock Joint Rail Authority. Uh, yeah, I was just saying the Cedarcock Joint Rail Authority owns rail lines, and uh, North Shore Railroad operates the trains on them. So maybe tracks should be the same way with the federal government involved in ownership and that uh, the trains could be owned by Norfolk Southern, but the federal government could maintain them to the proper standard, and then the trains have to pay dearly to use them. Well, that way there would be a better, better chance for passenger rail service because right now, except in the Northeast Corridor, which is owned by Amtrak, the Passenger trains take second fiddle to the freight trains. Right, yeah, the uh, folks that run the passenger trains around here say it takes an act of God to get on a Norfolk Southern Rail right. on a passenger train. <laughs> yep, know. and you know it's sad because rail travel is best. Have a good three-day weekend, buddy. I have plan on it, you too. Oh, so, yeah, you're working. Oh, you're, uh, you have a three-day weekend, don't you? No, I work on President's Day, Butsky. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> This working-class dog works on President's Day. I'll be back on Monday. And Joe will be celebrating presidents. Let's talk about a few good presidents when we come back. You're listening to WK, okay, Sunbury? That's-